0: Learn more at marines.com. Hey everyone, John I'm here. It is this week's Sports Illustrated slash Tennis Channel Tennis Podcast. Before we start, I'll good soldier this and say that Tennis Channel Self-included, will be at Labor Cup in Chicago this week. Uh, But our guest this week is a doubles player and now a former doubles player. It is doubles titan Daniel Nestor, who retired after Canada's Davis Cup tie last weekend. 46 years old, 91 titles. He's won all four of the majors, as I see it, a shoe-in for the Hall of Fame. Uh, He called it a career. We talk a bit about his decision what led up to it his career and some really interesting insights I thought about um, the two Canadian stars uh Denis Shapovalov and Felix Aliasim um good good conversation with a good guy who uh is not on the pro tour anymore but will be a part of tennis nonetheless here he is Daniel Nestor how how are you it's been a busy week uh not bad you i'm all right Have uh we we saw an, an emotional uh we saw an emotional moment on the court In Toronto uh, a few days ago. Are are you still in Canada?
1: Yeah, I'm in Toronto. Yeah, um, uh, this is where I live. So just
0: stuck around after the match. We're done with the Bahamas. So I I figure uh, you're two days into your retirement. You're on a pool deck right now with bottles of Labatts empty and stacked up. Is that accurate? Uh,
1: That would be ideal. But uh, I'm. uh, I do have a pool at my house. I haven't jumped in it yet. I've cleaning it, I was cleaning around it and cleaning my uh my driveway and all the leaves that are starting to fall. So I haven't got around to uh, canning, but uh just doing the stuff that I uh hadn't been doing uh during the Davis Cup weeks so of catching up on that stuff.
0: You're you're raking leaves. You're like a man in uh retirement. Um I, I'm this is a funny question for uh for a forty six year old, but why why now? What what impacted your decision and, and why did you make this decision?
1: Well, I kind of uh, felt that at the end of last year that, uh, you know, things had changed. Uh, obviously, the results weren't, uh, weren't what they used to be. And, you know, trying to get the, the partners that I thought that I could win with was also becoming more difficult. And I just noticed from my own uh, personal performance that uh, I I didn't feel uh, like my body was cooperating uh, like it had been. I'll, although I, I wasn't... In, necessarily in pain or, or injured or anything it was just that uh I just noticed my didn't feel as explosive and and just didn't feel like I was getting enough behind the ball anymore and, and able to stay you know with these guys uh, these other guys in situations that I had been able to, to you know adapt to in the past and I was struggling more and more to to keep up and so this year, I just wanted to, you know, confirm that that was actually the case. And I mean, I didn't change anything. I didn't stop training or, or slow down. I, I you know, was still being professional, and uh, it just wasn't
0: enough anymore. And uh, and uh,
1: although I, I played well at certain times, it's just, uh, it's just not enough uh, at this level anymore.
0: It's interesting because I, I, I always thought of you as sort of a doubles Federer in the sense that you had seemed to figure out a way to make this work from a family standpoint we we would see your family on the road I don't know, we ran into each other at Wimbledon. It, it always seemed like you had figured out the, the family part of this. So it's, it's interesting to hear you say this was more about the the body slowing down and, and ability, but, uh, how have these last been, how have these last few years been like, um, on, on the domestic front? How, how did you do this as, as a husband and a father?
1: Well, I mean, that's, most of the credit goes to my wife because uh, she was the one that uh, that uh, you know was on her own and with the kids for for the most part. I would obviously help and you know be a father, a proper father when I was uh, with with them. But uh, you know I was away for most of the time, so you know it was stressful for her. But uh, you know she's pretty strong-willed and uh, she she got the job done. And uh, you know a lot of the people that she hangs around uh, have. Uh, help and nannies and all that but she kind of did it on her own and uh, so that was uh, inspiring for me and uh, she also understood that uh, you know this is my job and uh, this is you know what I'm good at and uh, so we kind of had a routine and uh, you know you know we, we were able to travel certainly as a family and other weeks uh, you know for the most part I was on my own but I was doing well and you know when you're doing something successfully then you know you're it, there's incentive to keep doing it but as as soon as that changes, and and all of a sudden you're not as competitive anymore, and you know financially it doesn't make sense. And obviously uh, everyone's mindset's going to change, right?
0: I'm guessing when you started out on this journey, you d- you did not think that uh, you know in, in your mid 40s you, you'd still be out here. And we we talk a lot in tennis about longevity and you know Federer and Serena at 37 and 30 is the new 20. From your standpoint. What do you think it is? I mean, everyone has a theory, whether it's it's training or money. And from from your standpoint, why are we seeing careers last as long as they are?
1: That's a great question. I, I don't understand it myself. I mean, uh, the, the age of the top hundred players, uh, the average age has been going up. Uh, double players seem to be playing longer, and and I don't know if it's people just you know realize the the opportunity and, and maybe have learned from perhaps other players that have retired a bit earlier than the, than they would have liked or you see some players retiring and they come back a couple of years later, you know, realizing that maybe they, they might've missed out. I don't know if, if players are, you know, understanding that or, or they just, uh, you know, understanding that the God put them on the planet to, to do certain things. And this is what they're good at. And, uh, and you know, that's uh, they were just able to realize that and, uh, and achieve, try and achieve their goals, uh, and, for me, I I kind of realized that uh, you know I want to max it out. Uh, I didn't do things always properly when I was young. I, I didn't really aspire to be a, a professional tennis player when I was a teenager. I was just good at it, and I that's why I played. And it wasn't until you know certain things started happening and maybe threatened that my my mom wasn't uh, thrilled with uh, you know going pro without the the results backing it up. So she suggested I go to university. And then as soon as those things started to Kind of enter into the equation, then all of a sudden I became way more professional and uh, realized that uh, this is what I want to do. And uh, so that was that was late teens and, and my first years on pro. And uh, and then from there, I mean, you know, I I always felt like uh, in singles I could have done better. Uh, you know, I'm not saying I would have been uh, as successful as Milos Venice but just knowing that I that I could have done better, having I mean, beaten uh, several top players, uh, kind of eat eat ate away at me, and uh, so I think that's why I, uh, I really, you know, tried to make the most of doubles and, and really maximize uh, that opportunity, and that's probably why I, I played as long as I did.
0: Wait, I, w- I want to ask you about that transition, because I was looking up your singles record, and you, you were top 60, but you, you, you were very modest. You beat yeah, Guga, Rios, Mooster, Edberg, Rafter. I mean, that, that's five that's five top number one players you've beaten. You took a set off of Federer at one point how did you get to that point where you decided you know what I'm gonna make this transition to doubles I mean this this was a really nice singles well i I think you were you were top 60 at one point but those are some you know you, you beat five number one players when did you make this decision to transition to doubles
1: I did it at the end of the 2001 season uh yeah I mean I, I was fairly successful at singles but uh you know when I compare myself to to has like Milos and Dennis, I just think they're physically more gifted than I am. I, f- I feel like obviously my hand-eye coordination is is the same level, maybe even better. But uh, I think the game is very physical, and singles is very physical, and and for that reason, uh, you know, I, I just when I did play, I just felt like you know certain days I felt great, certain days I didn't feel great, and, and to be a top player, you you know, you need to be uh, you need to be you need to be a combination of a uh, top top physical athlete and a top uh hand eye coordination athlete and and you know i just felt like i was half of that and uh so it was it was a challenge and then uh in in the end of the 99 season when it was my best year in singles uh i was obviously playing a lot of matches because i was still doing well in doubles and at the end of that season i had surgery and then the olympic year in 2000 i uh i kind of struggled to to come back uh in singles although i had some decent results uh uh you know i was still committed after we won the gold medal to, to do one well singles and in the next year uh you know played pretty well but uh wasn't uh wasn't the same anymore and and i just felt like the body was uh you know my all of a sudden my shoulder surgery uh recovery you know turned into an elbow problem and and just little nagging things and and, uh, you know, I, I told the story when I, I had my retirement party of, uh, you know, the 2001 Rogers Cup. I, I went to Expo Stadium and I took like 50 of the hardest swings I've ever taken uh, at batting practice and managed to get one over the wall, which I was proud of. But uh, a few days later, I pulled my oblique uh, playing a single <laughs> match in Indianapolis. And then all of a sudden, my whole summer was ruined from that. And then I came back in the fall, uh, that fall. And, you know, I just uh, I just got frustrated i wasn't playing as well and, and uh you know it was uh, i was already close to 30 and I mean, my whole career I was always better at doubles and uh you know I, I just decided to to make that change and and you know like really focus on doubles and and yeah you know, i had not won any grand plans. I i won the gold medal but you know i was uh i felt like Mark Knowles and I were in a very similar situation in the '90s, trying to be the best singles players we could be, but we were just better at doubles. And and uh, so after that, I, I called him up and said, "Let's uh, let's try and be the best doubles players we can be, and uh, and you know get back together." And and we did that, and then we ended up winning slams for the first time, and definitely became a much better doubles player once I just
0: focused on doubles from
1: 2002
0: on. I bet if someone said you got 16 more years out here. Don't worry about those baseball injuries. You're going to be playing till 2018. You would have uh, signed up for it. Was 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 Mark your favorite partner?
1: Uh, I mean, we. I've, I've had so many good partners. I mean, Mark and I really got along well. Obviously, the end of the partnership didn't, didn't go smoothly. Uh, you know, it kind of stopped things uh, mid mid season, which was uh, Which was definitely a mistake uh, uh, from my part. Uh, you know. Not, not the right thing to do after so many years together. should have waited till the end of the year. And so that kind of put a strain on things. And then, uh, you know, we ended up winning the French Open, uh, trying to prove each other how good we were. <laughs> and so it of ended up kind of positive. But uh, And the Masters that year, too, for the first time. So, you know, we, we can look back on, on some great years. But, uh, you know, just from that standpoint, it it was hard to remember him as my favorite partner. But uh, Zimnich and I were most successful. We had the most success together, and uh, Mirny and I did very well together, and and uh, so we, all three partners were were successful, and and I look back uh, with uh, fond memories for sure for all three.
0: How, how does that work? I mean, I, I think casual fans are surprised to hear this that a lot of times uh, doubles partnerships are not based on personalities, and a lot of times there's there's no love lost between the two people on the same side of the net. How does uh, if just hypothetically, of course, you you and say Ziminich weren't great friends. How does that I'm just joking. But uh, how, how does that play out? I mean, what what are the dynamics of that?
1: Did you see Ziminich and I? am
0: just <laughs> hypothetically. I don't want to name names, Ziminich. Uh, if you <laughs> Oh, sorry. You're you're retired oh, uh, now. You're you're retired. You can
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, from from my uh, experience, uh, you kind of feel things right away with a partner and uh, you know, you have that uh, chemistry and, and that's something that uh, you can't take for granted. And you, you see a lot of uh, you know, a lot of guys uh, doing well, and then you know, six months later, you know, they kind of, uh, you know, not not really uh, going as far forward. And all of a sudden, they panic, and and then you know, they, they start pointing fingers, and and then all of a sudden, they're playing with different partners, and, uh, not realizing that with this former partner was that's where they made their break- breakthrough. And obviously, uh, you know, you got to take all, all these factors into consideration but uh you know too often uh double slayers are you know looking at uh, other opportunities and not uh at not at the yeah. you know the, the partnership that makes sense and uh i mean i'm just as guilty as anyone and but uh it's definitely a learning lesson and uh, i mean yeah like you said uh you, you can't always have the perfect partner Whatever. You can to have a perfect partner in, in so many different uh, facets of life, but uh, you gotta you gotta work on things and communicate and uh, understand uh, that uh, you can be successful. Uh, you know, not always seeing eye to eye, but uh, respecting each other and uh, and uh, working together to try and be the best possible team.
0: I'm I'm listening to you talk about this, and I'm thinking, boy, if only you had an identical twin, that would make finding a doubles partner a lot easier. Um. Let me ask you, you mentioned Dennis and Felix, and I think they both seem to recognize they're going to be uh, paired together in conversation uh, for, for much of their careers. How, how do you assess each of them?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm so impressed with both these guys. I mean, uh, obviously Dennis, uh, he's got so much potential. We played doubles together in Queens this year. He's had such a big game from, you know, huge serve, big forehand, big backhand. I mean, such nice long strokes on each side with, uh, with so much, uh, power and, and, uh, capability. And, and he just kind of feel, I feel like he's dominating his opponents. The only time he gets in trouble is when he, he overdoes it. And, uh, and he goes for too much. Uh, he's definitely got an attacking personality, which I can relate to. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I love watching him play. I just, I just think sometimes, uh, he needs to, you know, maybe take 10% off, off his ball and, uh, you know, try and hit a winner maybe on the third shot uh, as opposed to on the first shot of the rally. But, uh, you know, that, that'll that come with experience. And, uh, and a guy like Felix, I mean, uh, this was the first time I actually hit with him uh, this last week in, in Davis Cup. And, you know, I just cannot believe how athletic he was. And, I mean, he has the perfect tennis body, if not perfect athletic body. I, I compared him to a mix of Djokovic and, and Spiderman. I mean, he, he's... Just, <laughs> The way like he covers the court, and, and you know he's he's lean and he's he's ripped and he's he's like six six foot five and the guy's like a cat on the court and 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 not to mention he hits the ball great and you know so I mean these two guys I don't think they realize I think they do realize but I I just hope they realize uh, how much potential they have and and what they can do for for Canadian tennis and and tennis in the international stage because we could be seeing these guys like Dennis told still at the end of that, that uh, tough match at the U S open. We're going to be here playing a final one day. And I, I honestly think that's true.
0: What do you tell them when you, uh, I, I will credit you for starting this, this Canadian tennis boom, but uh, what what do you tell those guys? I mean, I'm, I'm sure, you know, we were, you're 25 years older than they are, but I could tell from, uh, from Davis cup, how they looked up to you. What were some of the things you were trying to impart to them?
1: Honestly, it's, it's, not that much. I mean, these guys are that, – that's the thing. And, and another thing that we talked about earlier my singles compared to their singles. I mean, these guys – I just feel like from a young age, these guys were really focused and, and they knew what they wanted. And, and that's why they're so ahead of the game. And I'm and for, for for almost in all of them and, and uh, from that aspect. And, you know, I, I talked to Felix for the first time. I talked to Dennis. These, these kids are intelligent kids. You know, you talk about this iPad generation – they're, they're not having the focus that they once did, but I don't see it with them. And and you can throw Milos and Vasek in there too. I mean, they're still in their 20s. And, and uh, you know, these kids, these guys are all, they're all so focused and they're doing all the right things and, and they all want uh, to be the best they can be. And, and so, you know, it's really not that much work, uh, you know, for, or, or mentoring with these guys. It's it's more just, you know, keeping them positive and, and, and uh, you yeah, know, just making sure they're, you know, thinking the right things and, and not getting down on themselves, you know, with, with a couple bad uh, results and that kind of stuff. Because I think uh, the way they're handling things and the way they're doing things, uh, you know, they're, they're all heading in the right direction. And, and you know, they're all going to be around for a long time.
0: You've always been good at analyzing top top players and singles uh, as well. How surprised are you that Djokovic, who, you know, nearly wasn't seeded for the French Open, has won... Uh, two straight majors now with the Masters 1000 sandwiched in between. How much are you surprised by this return of Djokovic?
1: Again, for me, it's not a physical thing. It's just a mental thing. So seeing him, you know, in the locker room getting really spiritual, you know, 18 months ago, two years ago, and and just, uh, you know, wondering where he was at mentally and, and now seeing him, you know, in a better place. and I mean his game. I mean he, he's totally back. Obviously by his results. I mean you, know, you watched him play. The guy's not making no one on for Sarah. No one in the history of the has, has moved the way he has and put himself in a position with every single shot to to you know, to play that level. And, and I mean he, I've, I've never seen someone with that balance and, and athleticism. You know, coming ball side to side and. And uh, so I I think, it, you know, the physical aspect was there. It's just the mental aspect uh, has, has has improved to where it used to be. And, uh, he's back, he's motivated, and I'm sure, you know, these three guys, uh, you know, has already got that lead of, of grand five titles. uh but, you know, I'm sure Nadal and, and Djokovic are still thinking they're in that hunt. And uh, so I, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how long he's going to continue doing this and, and dominating the sport and uh, – I guess it's great for tennis that uh, that they're still sticking around, and uh, and uh, you know then you have this new crop of uh, excited stars uh, knocking on the door. So I think the uh, tennis has never been so popular, and and you know there's a lot to look forward to in the sport, not just from Canada but from in an international standpoint.
0: Have you have you ever heard of the uh, the the campsite rule of dating? Is that familiar to you? uh no. it's you 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 want to leave your part regardless of what happens you want to leave your partner uh in a better place than uh when you found him or her i'm wondering yeah. uh apply that to tennis do you, do you feel like you left the sport in a better place than you found it i mean do you feel the sport is healthier now than when you started your career in the early 90s or are you concerned
1: i think it's come full circle to be honest uh when I came in, I felt like the sport was very popular, you know, it was the tail end of, uh, Macaron Lendl and, and I guess Connors were still around. And, and then you had this new crop of exciting stars like Sampras, Curry, or Agassi, uh, that, uh, you know, that were, that were, you know, taking over and, and Michael Chang and even it's, and so many different kinds of personalities and engaging with the fans and, and fans could relate to them. And I, I think, uh, you know, then it, kind of slowed down a little bit uh in the 90s you know it was a kind of a two-man show maybe becker wasn't uh wasn't playing as well as he should have and uh, so it's kind of a two-man show with with that person agassi and you know the, the game had gotten a little bit fast i think the courts were were really fast and and the rallies weren't what they should have been and and you know uh so i think it kind of slowed down a little bit there and uh you so know I, I was kind of part of that and and, uh, you know, and I think in the last five, ten years, now that uh, Setter's had uh, some competition with Djokovic and Adele, and, and, you know, the games got so athletic and they slowed it down, and I, I think it might have gone a little bit too far in that direction. Because, uh, you know, some of these rallies are, <laughs> are bordering on, uh, on too long and uh, too repetitive and, and uh, too similar, but uh, I think, uh, you know, the game is at an all-time high with, with these top players and, and, you know, the guys that are, are the next generation. And, and, uh, you know, plus I think just from the sport in general, uh, you know, people's, uh, you know, desire to, to live a healthy lifestyle and, and, you know, fitness being a uh, important part of that. I think more and more people are playing tennis for that reason. And, it's a great. It's a sport that you can play your whole life. It's a. It's a great sport to stay in shape and and uh, you know I think it's a combination of all those things and and you know we're seeing it in Canada the sport is booming. and, and I think uh, you know around the world uh, from from you know these tournaments that I have played I've just noticed uh, a resurgence of of fans and, and interest and you know even in doubles people are you know watching more and more doubles and and, uh, and obviously singles is is where it's at but uh, I think uh, yeah, it's come full circle. I think I, I came in at a at a great time, and you know, there a little bit of lull uh, along the way, but it's uh, it's definitely picked up in the last uh, you know, five years, I would say, and, and uh, you know, now it's peaking again.
0: Um, all right, sp- speed round. A- answer these uh, in 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 one word or one sentence. Short short questions. Would you have would, would you have voted for this new Davis Cup format? Well,
1: I, I heard Davis Cup format. What's the, what was would, the question?
0: Would you have voted for it if if, if you had a vote? Did, would you have voted no. for it? No. Um, can you believe Maple Leaf Gardens is now a grocery store?
1: Can I believe that?
0: I just drove by it the other. I was in Toronto the other day. I said, "Oh, that's where Maple Leaf Gardens." And I looked on the side, yeah, and it's I some think, like yeah, they had foods. a seniors event. Then,
1: uh, events, uh, it's sad. I mean, no, uh, I'm not a Leafs fan, but there's a lot of history in that building. So, uh, no, I can't believe it.
0: Um, all right, I won't ask you about John Gomeshi. You're. Uh, your credentials would uh, make you a very attractive candidate to the Tennis Hall of Fame. Um, how much does that matter to you?
1: Well, obviously, it's uh, it would be, you know, an, an immense honor for me to be even considered with some of the top players that, that get voted into that. So, I mean, obviously, my credentials, you know, might, you know... Uh, I guess, uh, be worthy of it. But, uh, you know, I also grew up with, uh, or played through you know, a lot of talk about uh, covering half the court and, and you know, it's, it is doubles and, and that. So I, I don't know. I don't know what, what to say. I mean, I, I know my level. I, I feel like I'm a very really good tennis player. Uh, but, uh, you know, the people that, that enter the Hall of Fame are amazing tennis players. So I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know how to answer that. So I'll leave that up to the people who vote.
0: <laughs> well, uh, Ted. Tom, Tom Tebbit will head your, uh, he'll be your Paul Manafort. He'll head up your, uh, your, your candidacy. Um, so you, you've raked the, you know, you've raked the leaves. You've only been retired for, uh, for, for two days, but, uh, but what, what's the future hold and what, um, what's, what's next for you?
1: Yeah, I, well, I really want to stay involved in tennis and especially in Canada. You know, I want to, you know, help promote the sport and, and, uh, you know, kind of, around the country and and do that and uh you know at, at all levels I and mean, whether it's kids or high performance or, or adults and I mean I think there's something special going on in this country with uh with tennis and you know let's stay involved in that and uh, and help it grow
0: you are shaming the United States uh you're too modest to say this but I'll say it for you uh if, if there's the, the tennis boom in Canada, you you are one of the founders so uh I, I hope you take some real satisfaction in that these these kids came of age when you were winning Grand Slam titles and Olympic medals, and here we are in 2018, and you have uh, one one tenth of our population, and uh, you have um, a very bright tennis future. Congratulations! Thank you so
1: much for having me.
0: Thanks, Daniel. Take care, and uh, we'll, we'll miss you out there. But hope uh, pass cross again soon. Thanks a lot.
1: Okay. Thanks a lot.
0: All right. Thanks to Daniel Nestor. Uh, Tennis is down a good guy with his uh, retirement this past weekend. But uh, 25, 26 year careers um, don't don't come around all that often. Um, Again, Newport bound as I see it. We can save that discussion for another time. But with that, let's bring in Jamie Lasanti. We missed you out at the uh, out at the tennis. We were uh, two subway cars passing in the night. I was doing morning shifts. You were there later. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Do we agree the uh, Serena Noble or uh, whatever we're calling it, Serena Gate, women's final gate? Uh, enough ink has been spilled. Enough uh, pixels have been spent. Let's let's move on. Or is there anything you'd like to add?
2: No, I think we're gonna we're gonna move on.
0: I agree wholeheartedly. I, I
2: think we have
0: uh, the dead horse uh, and. Metaphor comes quickly y- yes. to mind. Uh, let's let's move forward. Uh, first of all, what struck you about that conversation?
2: I really liked uh, his opinion and thoughts on the younger players. Um, I think he, I didn't. He's forty six years old. I mean, we talk about Federer being old. What's wrong he's, with forty six years he's old? He's ten years older Dude. than Federer. I'm oh, not okay. saying there's anything okay. wrong with okay. that. I'm saying Put in your, perspective of we right. talk about age and tennis, he is that much older. Um, so it was really cool to hear him talk about. Uh, Felix and Dennis, and just even about their body types and how he sort of looks at them and really sees players who are um, unlike peers of their age and, and you know, hopefully going to be champions in the sport. So I thought that was really cool. I,
0: I thought that was really interesting, too, about... Did, did you catch what you was saying about sort of the, the iPad generation yeah, and yeah, the yeah. ADD? Because that's, that's something you hear about with Curious. It's something, honestly, you hear about even with Sasha Zverev. How's this guy going to win a best-of-five match when he's checking his phone... And every changeover or, I mean, I,
2: right. maybe
0: not changeover, but, uh, you know, I, I think that was a complaint that one of his former coaches had.
2: I think uh, I was talking to a friend who coaches high school football, and he was telling me about how a lot of them have attitudes and they, I mean, that's not unnormal in, in high school sports, but they grew up in this generation of not just having stuff on TV, but Instagram. And that's something that I'd even grow up with, uh, you know, playing sports and they see, see things and they think they have to act a certain way or be a certain way to kind of have that. Or they, they go on Snapchat and they have to be this way and they kind of have this attitude and they're, they don't really want to, you know, just work hard and, and put that stuff down and put that stuff away. And they kind of want to broadcast everything. Um, so it's interesting to hear about him say that these two kids are, uh, not, no, not that's a part sustained of that, focus. You know, yeah, exactly. I, I
0: thought, um, I mean, I, I think there's a whole book to be written about this Instagram persona that all kids have and everything's great and it's completely artificial. But I think, you know, U.S. Open, let's go back there. We're not going to talk about Serena, but we'll talk about another tired topic, which is Nick Kyrgios. I was really struck. I don't know if you followed this. The Mo Leani, the, the, the controversial match and yes. uh, with Air and Donna Vekic weighs in right. with a tweet <laughs> And Nick Kyrgios then gets in this Twitter battle with Donna Vekic. And what struck me was the time code on those tweets. Clearly, Nick Kyrgios, and I don't think he's alone in this, clearly he goes back into the locker room, and the first thing he does is check his phone. So this is minutes after walking off court, winning a Grand Slam singles match, and he's on his phone having these Twitter battles. And to me, that was a real revelation about just the media consumption of young athletes today. Where before they've taken a shower, before they've dissected the match with a coach, before they're, you know, again, this is a, a favorite topic of mine. But before all of these chemicals coursing through their body, um, all the, the cortisol levels normalize, first thing he does clearly is check his phone. Um, boy, that's a uh, that's a generational demarcation right there. That's, um, that's an interesting way to, to comport yourself. But um, anyway, it was interesting to And you get the feeling that uh, the Dennis and Felix both have this level of maturity that informs their six. I don't know if you saw this when when Felix had the, I'm blanking on the term, but the the racing heart that caused him to withdraw from that first round match. And Dennis goes to the other side of the net and is very poised and sort of says, listen, we're going to be doing this again. We're going to be playing in finals one day. Try, try first he said try your best you're telling your opponent basically giving them a pep talk and then uh and I, I thought that showed i mean you can you can prepare an athlete for a lot of a lot of circumstances and a lot of uh you know exigency eventuality i mean that that was not a situation that athletes prepare for to see your friend and opponent on the ground uh trying to get his heart rate to uh, slow down
2: we like pep talks just we, not from the uh yeah not, the chair from, the, um- not
0: from the chair umpire <laughs> and we don't as, uh, often get them we from don't the opponent get back into that, as well um so tennis uh, is it the strange position right now where we head into the fall season but we've played all four of the majors bit of anticlimax, perhaps uh we do have both tours have their you know, we have a davis cup final we have both tours have uh their season enders but but for all intents if the four majors are the four ten poles we've already passed those so it's a bit of a strange time um unclear if we'll see serena again before uh before melbourne but uh, give us three storylines that you, Jamie Lasanti, will be following this uh, this indoor season, this autumn in tennis. Put you on the spot.
2: One thing really recently I thought was you know just came up Maria Sharapova shutting down her season for 2018. I thought it was yep. I thought it was kind of interesting. I know it's not a storyline that okay, obviously she won't be playing, but thought it was interesting. Uh, she really has had a rough go since coming back, and I I made the point she her nike contract is up in 2018 well she makes
0: she makes a lot of money playing it that she does not take uh missing that asia trip lightly
2: right and so there there's just a lot of things um about that that i i think are interesting and i i don't know do you think we'll see any sort of announcement from her this fall about anything i think it's
0: really interesting because it's the same central personality trait but it just is going to be a question of which way does it express herself does her um i, th- I think ego is a loaded term but does her uh, abundance of pride does that mean listen i can't abide by these results it's been a nice career right you am out mentioned of here. That before or or, do, or does that very same trait mean she's saying god damn it i'm not going out like this i'm gonna train like hell and i think i can still win majors i mean i think it's gonna be really interesting to see which way that breaks because the one thing i think we can agree the status quo is not working for her yeah. and ever since she's come back and i think there's a, i've talked about this before i think there's a whole psychology um, when you return from a doping suspension. I think you're you're p- playing largely to reestablish yourself, but you're also playing to validate what you did before this to show the world, hey, listen, I didn't achieve what I achieved because of uh, these banned substances. And this post-comeback, whatever you want to call it, this post-suspension comeback has uh, not gone well for Maria Sharapova. She's now north of age 30 something's got to give here either the rankings got to go up and she's got to remember who she used to be or simply win more matches or or else she's got to call it a career but um it's it's not the status quo is not going to work uh either way that's uh that struck me as well especially because that is multi-millions of dollars that she has passed up by not going to asia
2: right and so it should be interesting
0: right, what's number um, two uh
2: Novak Djokovic, we'll, we'll switch over to ATP before I give you my third one. Uh, Novak Djokovic wins the U.S. Open without, uh, without some fanfare because of everything that went on. But w- it's pretty impressive. Story. It's, I mean, the, uh, the, if you really go totally back right. to January of this year, the way we were talking about Novak and kind of where he could be at this point in the season was definitely not here. Um, so I just think it is a insane turnaround for him this summer and so of course like I want to see what happens for the rest of the year can he keep it up does he you know does he try and settle down a bit because he has played a lot of matches now and maybe you know the one thing that you think about with his he had he you know he did have an injury which played a role in everything but you know is he playing too much too quickly doing too like not too well but he's he's really surging so is he going to maybe aggravate something, you know, should he take some time? I don't know.
0: It's the, there's a uh, Lacoste store in the village not far from me, and it's all congratulations on like Jovich 2018. Um, six months ago we were saying, boy, Lacoste really uh, made a bad bet on that one, and how long is he going to stay with Agassi? I mean, never mind January, like you said. I mean, he lost a Tarot Daniel on hard courts in Indian Wells, and there was this look of like, boy, is this a lost soul. He did not have great success on the clay before the French Open. And he very nearly wasn't seeded in Paris. He left, remember, he lost to, uh, who did he lose, uh, to Chechenado a middle weekend. And, boy, this guy who used to make Grand Slam semis as a matter of, you know, ritual, who, uh, you know, right. had won double-digit majors and, and now he's struggling to reach week two. If you'd said he's going to close out the year by winning the last two majors, you'd say that's an extraordinary turnaround so I, I think you're right I think that's a good one I, I think you're right too that we talk about Naomi Osaka and she didn't get her due and how awkward it was and she wins a tournament but she's the one crying on the podium but uh, I'm not sure this Djokovic story quite got the, uh, it the did publicity it deserved either I mean it's hard enough to back up a major but for Novak Djokovic Agassi leaves the camp and right. everybody's sort of wondering how much of this is the elbow how much of this is spiritual I think was the euphemism we all seized right. on how much of this was personal um, it is remarkable. I mean, he he wins Wimbledon, he wins a Masters one thousand in Cincinnati, beating Federer in the final, and then he backs it up by winning the U.S. Open. Um, it's been an extraordinary ninety days. That's that's a hell of a return for Djokovic, and I'm not sure that got to do. but uh, I'm glad it did from you, Jamie Lasanti. All right, what's your third? Uh, we're we're running low on time here. What's your third point?
2: Uh, Madison Keys. I Ooh. uh, it just
0: I didn't expect you to pull that one out. All right, what do you got?
2: Only because she kind of has had a tough go. I mean, last year at the U S open, obviously. And then this year again, Naomi Osaka was just unbeatable, you know, right. and and she proved that it was her tournament. She was the champion of this tournament, but Madison has come so close so many times. And she really, she has the game of, of a player who can win majors and win titles. And she just there's just something blocking her there. And I I feel for her in so many ways, uh, and I'm just really hoping that she can kind of continue to build on everything and not take a one-step-forward, one-step-back approach, which it almost seems like she's doing sometimes. Um, so I'm interested to kind of see how she recovers in the fall season and then going ahead into Australia in January.
0: Good one. I feel like uh, it's a little like Zverev on the men's side where this – shortcomings and majors are like compounding interest like it puts all the more pressure on the next one and now of course you know we're still it's mid-september and we don't go to australia until mid-january so there's a little bit of time here one one thing i I like about madison keys is um she's she's been through a lot of coaches Mm -hmm. and clearly she has a very special relationship with Lindsay. Mm -hmm. um who among us doesn't uh but but you know, that's for a variety of reasons, not least Lindsay has four kids. That's perhaps not sustainable. And she's had a really hard time finding other coaches. I don't think I'm violating any secrets when I say that. And I think, to me, that shows an assertiveness, that shows sort of a lack of uh, contentment. I-, I think there's there's that's sort of actually revealing that she's um, had a number of coaching relationships where she says, uh-uh, this, this ain't working for me. I mean, she deals with Ola at the USTA and... Um, he and Lindsay seem to sort of tag team it a bit at the U S open, but I I think it says something about Madison's personality that she has these expectations and she has this assertiveness where she's willing to make uh, these changes. But yeah, I mean, there's no question the game is there. The power is there. Osaka was a strange match. Remember she had all those break points, 13, I think it was 13 13. break points. Um, And yeah, you can chalk that out. Hey, I just ran into a hot player, but you know, Madison Keys beat Osaka at that very same tournament at that right. same court two years ago. So did this person eat my lunch? I mean, who two years ago would have thought Naomi Osaka would have beaten Madison Keys to the punch? But uh, I, I still think it's a question of when and not if for her. I, I still, if you if you said, will Madison Keys win a major? Yes right. or no? I still am voting yes.
2: I think I think she's comparable to Halep in many ways in that sense uh, because. For a while, we were saying the same thing—one, if not if—about her. Um, I worry then that when that time comes, you know, Halep is she. What what's the stat? She she made uh, two finals this year, and like the rest were first or second round yeah, exits. It's been,
0: it's been an interesting uh, right? Grand Slam season for and Halep. And so,
2: I I worry that that happens again. Um, with with her. With Madison. With Madison, but um.
0: Yeah, but then nice. you have the you know the Wozniacki will say, listen, whatever I do the rest of my career, I'm a Grand Slam winner, and even a player as accomplished as she is, who's been number one, um, once she won that Grand Slam, you get the feeling there's sort of a level of of satisfaction that um, no matter what happens from here on out, the one thing I'll always be able to say is I'm a major winner. But uh, no, I, th- I didn't think you'd go with Madison Keys as your third card. But uh, said, no, don't apologize. Mm-hmm. Inspired, uh, inspired pick. All right. Um, You need to go. I need to go. That will do it for us. Um, Again, thanks, Daniel Nestor. Good conversation with uh, a longtime doubles player and I would argue a future Hall of Famer. Jamie, thanks as always. Thanks, John. Nice to have you back. We'll do it again next week. Um, Thanks for listening, everyone. Keep the suggestions coming. And uh, we'll talk in seven days.